Hello, I'm Kieran Valley. And I'm Kate Valley. And this is Friday Night at Blockbuster, the podcast about the most important, best, our favorite movies of the 2000s. I don't know if you can keep saying that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll yeah, it'll be half true. Um, yeah, we have a couple. I sort of half alluded to it the other week that we might have to start doing movies that were a big deal at the time, but that I also know that I don't like. And we've scheduled out the next few weeks. And unfortunately, there's going to be two weeks in a row where it's going to be rough going. It's going to be a Kieran ranting session, everybody. So buckle in. Okay. Like, yes, sure. It will be. But I think at least one of the movies we'll be talking about, you are also probably not a fan of. Uh, I'm a fan of both of them. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, (laughs) tough. I don't know. You can host those weeks. Um, this week, this week, (laughs) this week, yeah, it's a movie that I think we both enjoy that we both, we both, uh, really, really like one programming note. I don't know who of our loyal listeners out there also listens to the ringers big picture or no, sorry, not the big picture, the rewatchables podcast, but their episode this week was also this movie. Was it really? Yeah. And so I did not listen to it because I was like, I do not want their thoughts rattling around in my head. But I was like, God damn it. Of all, like, I thought that they had done this movie fucking years ago, but no, apparently they didn't. Um, what I wanted to say is that we tease our episodes a week out. Do they tease their episodes? They don't tease theirs oh, at okay. all. Okay. So they're copying there's, us. There's just drop. <laughs> there's just drop. Nobody knows what movie they're going to be doing the next week. And so the fact that there is some overlap here, I think is just an indication that me and you and the people at the Ringer staff just know what good movies are and we want to talk about good movies. Um, But yeah, I I saw that come up on my feed the other day and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me that they would do this movie the same, like they released it on Thursday. So it's like two days before we were were recording. Okay. I was about to ask one when we're recording this on Sunday, yeah. when did theirs drop? I think theirs so. dropped on Thursday or Friday. And okay. I was like, are you shitting me? <laughs> so, yeah, for anyone who does listen to the rewatchables, it would be no surprise that the movie we're here to talk about today is Casino Royale. We're going all the way back to March 16th, 2007 for the first Daniel Craig, James Bond movie. Uh, you know, first thing, Kate, is was this your first Bond movie? So I was just saying he was my first Bond. I think I've never seen any of the other ones. So one of my questions later to you is about that a little bit more. But uh, yeah, he was my first Bond. I don't remember the first time watching this, but I know that the this would have been my first one. Right. So, so. You, you wouldn't have seen any of the Pierce Brosnan's no. or anything like that. So yeah. Okay. So if you don't remember the first time you watched it, do you remember like the feeling of the first time you watched it? Like, do you remember thinking like, oh, this is really cool or what? Because if you were coming into Bond cold, I think this is also, this is like probably a really great introduction to the character because in many ways it is the origin story. I think so. Cause I liked, I liked that he was a bit like a spy. I liked the intrigue of that world. I know I would have been 13 at the time. So I would have kind of been into double lives or 
things like that. Like at this point I was into like Harry Potter and fantasy worlds and stuff. And so the idea of somebody being a spy was also a bit of a fantasy to me. And the fact that he was double O and had the license to kill and all of that was really intriguing. So yeah, no, I think I liked him as Bond. I have nothing to compare him to. So for me, he's the best Bond. (laughs) We sort of talked a little bit when we did the movie swap that his movie Lair Cake was like a live audition for this role, for the role of James Bond. And now that you had seen, now that you've seen Lair Cake and then you sat down to watch Casino Royale, could you see an overlap? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. It's... For me, it was the first kind of half of the movie when he is kind of running through uh, what country is he in? He's Madagascar. in Madagascar, yeah. Yeah, when he's th- running through Madagascar and kind of throwing himself off of buildings and throwing him things and chasing after people and his he gets into a pose and then strikes a different pose and like almost looks at the camera. I was just like, oh yeah, that's that seems familiar so well i think i think that's why the lair cake thing is so good and probably it was good to watch first because like he's not an action star in that movie but you watch how he acts as that character in lair cake and you're sort of like oh he like he could do it he could definitely do it and then you fast forward a couple years and and he's arguably the best bond like he's arguably the best one to do do it yeah i think for me it was also seeing him do this he gets to be that little bit more refined of a person. Like in Layer Cake, he is a drug person. So he kind of is a bit rough around the edges in some ways. Whereas this, like, he gets to kind of be subtle. He gets to be the ladies' man. He yeah. gets, yeah. like, he gets the nice cars. He gets the nice clothes and stuff. So so if this was your first Bond, you, you sort of said that you were maybe going to hold this later. But let's just get into this right now. Let's, let's okay. go on a little deep dive of the history of James Bond <laughs> and this character and franchise like what do you know about the previous bond movies before casino royale um really that they're always named james bond um there's always like a good start that's a good start good start good start let's start with the super (laughs) basics here yeah yeah the character always has the same name (laughs) there's always a really gorgeous lady sure usually she doesn't live through the end of the movie i think no, no. Do they no, usually they, live? They normally do, yeah. Oh, okay. Because he normally like rides off into the sunset with them. Oh, is it usually there's two women then, usually in a movie. Does one uh, die yeah, and then yeah, well, the first yeah. love dies and then he gets the second lo- no, love? No, it's it's not about the first love or second love. It's more about like there's usually there's usually one that might like double cross him, like is maybe uh, okay. in on the baddie's side. Where, but then there, there is always like a main one that he rides off in the sunset with. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know they're based off of a book series. Yep. And then do they kind of repeat the story? Like, is this a retell of a previous movie? So this. Or no. Yeah. So Casino Royale was the first novel that Ian Fleming wrote. And so Ian Fleming was in like naval intelligence during World War II and stuff. Oh, okay. So, like, he kind of was a spy, but, like, everybody, I think, who had who knew Ian Fleming, who saw, you know, were involved with these books, eventually saw what the movies were like, was sort of like, you know, this is his own fantasy of what he was doing, but he kind of was a spy. And so, Casino Royale was the first book that he wrote, 
in the Bond franchise. But then, um, for whatever reason, the rights were sold to one company and then another company bought the rest of the books. And, you know, the whole ownership over the Bond franchise has been like contested over the years. And there's lots of stories around that, but they never made an official Casino Royale movie because the family who own James Bond, the property is called the Broccoli family. They didn't have the rights to this movie or to this book. Sorry. And so, there was a Casino Royale movie made in like the 60s, but that was kind of like a parody of James Bond. Oh, okay. They just used a James Bond story to tell a parody of the James Bond movies because by that stage, there had already been like two or three movies and they were a big deal. Um, coincidentally enough, the story apparently is, I think MGM had control of Spider-Man, the rights to the Spider-Man character, and Sony had control to the Casino Royale book novel yeah and they just made a straight swap oh well we'll give you you know we'll give you the spider-man character you give us this book that we want to make into a, a james bond because at this stage they were looking to reboot the character to re not restart but like refresh yeah and so to have the first novel sort of made sense and then yeah like so you know that was i think i think that's a fair swap i think it's a pretty fair swap i think both sides got exactly what they wanted out of it yeah and, you know what I mean? Like, we can get into why I think this is maybe the best James Bond movie we've had. But yeah, it is It is just, you know, the whole, the whole story about how they got to make this movie is pretty interesting. It's pretty fascinating. But yeah, like what, what kind of, what care, or what questions do you have about previous Bonds that you... Well, so I think my first one, and you've kind of maybe already answered it, is who is the best Bond? Oh, okay. Because how many how many bonds have we had? Five. So we've had um, Sean Connery was the first one. Yep. George Lazenby took over from him for one movie. Yes, I saw. Yeah. Um, then Roger Moore came in. Then Timothy Dalton. Then Pierce Brosnan. And now Daniel Craig. Okay. So and then yeah, we're we're going to get another one. They're they're on the hunt right now. Um, for me, it comes down to movies. So which bond is in the best movies? Which which Bond is in the ones that I want to rewatch. Okay. And I did a marathon over lockdown in preparation for No Time to Die, only for that movie to then be pushed back two years. And the marathon <laughs> that I was cramming these movies into, like, to be fair, I wasn't doing anything else. Like, it yeah, was, it was, was lockdown. Lockdown. It was quite literally the beginning of the lockdown as well. So, like, there was actually nothing to do. Um, but I was kind of cramming these movies because... As much as I enjoy some of the James Bond movies and as much as I do remember watching some of them as a kid, there were, you know, many of the Sean Connery ones, all of the Roger Moore ones, all of the Timothy Dalton, and then the one Lazenby, like, I had not seen. There was, you know, Oh, okay. So you had only really seen Brosnan. I had really only seen Brosnan um, and then obviously Daniel Craig's movies. And I, th I, I think I had seen, I definitely seen uh, Goldfinger which is a Sean Connery movie. Um, but beyond that, like there's like, I don't know, what is there? 25 official. I think so. 25 official James Bond movies. I'd probably seen eight. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, so there was like a huge sort of hole that I, that I decided, you know what, there's a new James Bond coming out. Uh, I'll sit down and I'm going to go through in order and watch them all in order. And so doing that in like a concise time frame 
really brought home the fact that no, I, I, I love Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, I think, is the best Bond because he does everything that the other Bonds could do, but he does it better. You know what I mean? Does like, he? Yeah. Yeah. Like he, so like Bond's always been suave and he's always been, you know, a ladies' man or whatever like that. Depending on who's portraying him, he can be a bit of an action hero. But I think what you get with the Daniel Craig movies is that. He loves the action parts of the movies and he loves the stunt work and he loves all that stuff where if you go back and you watch the other, the other guys play James Bond, first of all, they're also just like older men by the time that they get here. But like Sean Connery by his fifth movie was just like done. He was tapped out. Like you could, you can tell that he was so uninterested in doing any of the bits that didn't involve him sitting around in a tuxedo, just like looking good. Okay. <laughs> Same with Roger Moore. You know what I mean? Timothy Dalton is maybe the closest. Like Timothy Dalton did two movies um, and they are very like dark in tone um, and coming out of the Roger Moore era, which Roger Moore is like all jokes. Like the, the Roger Moore era was tough. I really did not like the Roger Moore era at all. But um, coming out of that era to then get Timothy Dalton's two movies you're just like whoa these are really dark in comparison but he but there i think there needs to be a bit of a balance yeah and i think daniel craig strikes that balance of like there are scenes in this movie in casino royale that are really funny and then two minutes later he's in like a fight with a guy with a machete you know what i mean like (laughs) he he's doing both he's doing both and in the in the good daniel craig movies that that balance is there He's made a couple that I don't enjoy, but I think on the whole, he's he's the best. He's my favorite. He's your best? Yeah. Okay. Um, in the other movies, because I'm a person who loves backstories, do we ever actually get his backstory? Like how he became? No. So, so Or is that part of the character? And... Well, so, the, but this is that, well, that's part of the thing is that because they couldn't make Casino Royale, that's the first book. That Casino Royale explains everything. Oh, okay. Explains how he gets into... Oh, well, like, it doesn't explain how he becomes a spy and all that sort of stuff, but it explains the James Bond character. And so, because they didn't make this the first movie officially, you are kind of just dropped in with Sean Connery, and you're sort of like, okay, I guess he's this really cool, suave spy. Okay. And, like, he is. Yeah. And he's great at it. But yeah, you, you, it is kind of one of the tricks I think with the James Bond characters that you get very little backstory on him. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're so accepting of different actors coming in and out of the role, because it's sort of like, well, like, sure, it could just be a continuation. Like, it doesn't matter. So, you know what I mean? Like if, if your backstory was that he, you know, the first one came out in the sixties. So if your backstory was he fought in World War II or something like that, then by the time Daniel Craig shows up, that doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, so he kind of, by not giving him a backstory, he can kind of be a be every anyone. generation, yeah. every year. Yeah, he could be anyone. Of. Like, there is there is a bit of a theory that, like, James Bond itself is the code name that he is given, much like 007 is the code name. You know what I mean? Like, Daniel Craig's character is maybe not called James Bond. James Bond is the assigned name to him. Now... That goes out the window in Skyfall when he goes back to his ancestral home 
and it, we see Bond yes. on like the nameplate. But at the same time, you know, like it is out there. It is this thing of like, well, maybe James Bond in and of itself is not the name of the character. But, you know, I digress a little bit. I guess the, the only last thing before we really, really get into this movie is you had obviously seen the Austin Powers movies. Yes. Before seeing, probably before seeing Casino Royale. Probably, so, yeah. So like, it's not spoofing Casino Royale, obviously, because they came out beforehand, but like. Austin Powers going back and watching, especially the Roger Moore era, just like completely skewers this franchise. Really? Oh my God. And like, I think I was aware of it watching Austin Powers of being like, oh, these are spoofs of James Bond. spy movies. Yeah, spy movies, James Bond movies in particular, even though I hadn't seen the James Bond movies it was making fun of. But going back and watching them all again, I was like, holy fuck, like Austin Powers just takes these things to task and like is relentless at pointing out how fucking dumb some of these James Bond movies are because they get ridiculous. Well, so funny enough, as we're recording and sitting here, I was just like, huh, when did Austin Powers come out? Like, is that going to be an episode we're going to cover? No, Cause no, like, <laughs> no, it's not because the it's only the third movie. I think oh, okay. that's my least favorite of the three of them, <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I don't know the, the whole Austin Powers thing, I think nearly killed this franchise. And like, if this movie wasn't as good as it was, might've done it. Like it might've been all over for James Bond. I think for me, like we've just said, Austin Powers, I probably would have watched first. I can kind of remember the Austin Powers as the fun movies. He was a spy and a ladies woman or ladies man as well. But he was funny. He like, things were outrageous. The clothes were ridiculous. The villain was always kind of ridiculous as well. So like, for me, they would have been much more accessible. I'm interested now if I go back and watch them, what my feelings would be on them now, or would I truly actually just prefer the likes of Daniel Craig and um, the Born Identity guy, right? Jason well, Bourne, Jason and, Bourne, yeah, 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 and things like that, right? Like, would I enjoy now more of the serious spy who does kind of fly under the radar for you know? 75% of the scenes and movies or the movie and then gets to have those big action scenes. So, well, you're talking about awesome powers having ridiculous villains. There is a villain in two Roger Moore movies. Okay. Whose thing is quite literally that he has metal teeth and he just bites people to death. That's, that's the villain. If I choose and to they go, go back, to, they go to space. This villain goes to space. If I, I choose to go back and say, this is going to be my challenge and I'm going to go back and watch all the James Bond ones. Oh, this is too do, much. Do I just like skip over those ones and it's pretend too they, much. do it's... I just pretend that those aren't actually part of the franchise? So like, what else? So like of the 25 movies, there, there's technically one that I haven't seen and it's kind of an unofficial bond, uh, but it does start Sean Connery where he came back. Somebody paid him a ton of money to come back and play bond. Um, of the official ones that I have seen, think roger moore did seven or eight they are all i think with the exception of one in like my bottom 10 okay like they are all i just found them so painful and like progressively more painful because he kept getting older but the bond girls kept staying the same age Uh, and so eventually by like by like the fifth movie i think i made a comment where it's sort of like it's getting a little tiring watching this 50 something year old guy you know seduce and pick up these 22 year old women and then somebody commented back being like 
you've still got three movies to go. Like he gets like seven or eight years older. And so by the end, he's like 60 years old. And you're just like, oh, this is like like a little uncomfortable. Someone needs to switch this out, guys. Like, come on. So, yeah, like the Roger Moore era was rough and it's the longest era. He made the most movies. And it's just like, holy shit, guys. Like, this is not fun. None of them made the same amount of movies. Like, it's not like you sign up for Bond and you are automatically doing three movies or things like that. Is it just... However long the studio wanted them to keep doing it? Is more, it the, yeah. like, the popularity of the person doing it? Yeah, more or less, like, Sean Connery started, and, like, they probably would have just kept paying him whatever he wanted, but he just stopped wanting to do them. Okay. Um, George Lazenby famously did one, and I don't think he was received all that well. I actually really love On Her Majesty's Secret Service. I think it's a really, really underrated James Bond movie, and I think the tide is kind of turning on that. Like public opinion is coming back being like, actually this is really good. Um, and he was like a pretty damn good bond. He'd never acted before. He was, a, oh, he was okay. a model and this was his first gig. So like, you know, being thrown in the deep end and like, he does a pretty good job. And I think he just basically just did not enjoy himself making the movie. And so he just like, didn't want to come back. Well, it would be hard if you never acted getting tossed into a role where the previous person would have done it for and was like he did it for like a decade and is literally iconic to this day like as the character so like yeah kind of taking taking over for him yeah would be yeah would have been a bit tough so So, yeah but then and then you get into other ones where it's like obviously uh roger moore makes a ton and like they just keep bringing him back because the movies keep making money that's fine he eventually ages out the story then is that they wanted pierce brosnan so this is like mid 80s They wanted Pierce Brosnan to be Bond because he was on this TV show called Remington Steel and was kind of playing a Bond-esque character on the show. And they really, really wanted him. um, But the show wouldn't let him go to make these movies. And so they went to plan B, which was Timothy Dalton. He made two movies in over a couple years. And then Remington Steel ended. So then they went back to Pierce Brosnan, got the guy that they always wanted. He did a few movies, then he kind of aged out. His his movies also, like, I like Pierce Brosnan, and I think he's a pretty good Bond, but his movies get worse and worse. Mm. And so then, like, you needed a refresh. You needed to sort of pump new life into this franchise, and we arrive at Casino Royale. So, yeah, yeah so let's go right in. You know, I say right in. We, we've already been talking for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes here. But I think I remember going to this in the movie theater, I remember having seen, I, I definitely had seen all of the Pierce Brosnan movies by this stage. And I'd probably seen Goldfinger. Um, so it was a bit of an event for me. I, like, Do you remember who you went with? I went I went with like friends from school. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we were all sort of like new James Bond. We'll go. We pro- I don't think we went opening night, but we definitely probably went opening weekend or whatever. And, um, cause it was like, it was a bit of an event and like there were this, all this stuff about Daniel Craig was a little bit of an unknown at the time. It seems silly at this point to bring it up, but like people were like weirded out about a blonde, blue eyed James Bond. Really? Yeah. Cause he'd always been dark haired before that. Oh, okay. And so people were sort of like a blonde Bond, like, oh, <laughs> what is this? And they're just like, all right chill the fuck out um and then i think i do remember sitting in the theater 
And when the cold open happens, the black and white cold open, just being like, holy shit, this is the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen. And then just being like, all right, I'm in. Like, let's go. I'm sold. Yeah. I'm, I'm already, this is already great. This is already fantastic. And I think like that, that cold open still to this day, I've seen it a number of times. And you're just like, God damn it. This is the coolest fucking way to open a movie like this that I've ever seen. Well, that's so on this rewatch for me, like I said, I had seen it before. I can't remember exactly when I saw it, but I was like, I don't remember this black and white bit, but it is really cool. I was like trying to remember other parts of the movie as the movie was happening and stuff, but I was just like, no, that opening is cool. And then of course is iconic when he picks up the gun and turns and shoots and then it's the straight into the theme song. Yeah. Like just great. So I, I just think like on a whole, like the movie for the first like 25 minutes is like breathlessly paced. Like we don't get a calm moment until about 25 minutes in. Yeah. And by that stage you're, you're kind of already just like, humming like you're, what's he gonna do yeah next? Like, like where's oh he going oh my god like we've already we've gone from i think Prague, where he murders two people and gets double o status we go to madagascar where we get the parkour scene which we will have to talk about and where he steals a tractor which well, is what yeah. my note because yeah. i loved that bit <laughs> yeah and then uh we get the the brief scene with le chiffre where he you know sets up the whole uh banker for the world's terrorists and all this sort of stuff and then we get Jame, or Dame Judy Dench's yep. introduction scene where she's like walking and talking and just being like, God damn it, I missed the Cold War. Yeah. And you're just like, by the time she like walks into her apartment and Bond is there uh, playing cards, you're sort of just like, oh my God, like. I need a breath. Let's let's take a beat here, guys. <laughs> and so, the, and then the movie, you know, it finds this other rhythm, but like watching it again the other night, I was like, oh my God, this is so great. This is so great. So I think you brought up there the 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 he dr- drives a tractor during the, the, the that he steals the tractor steals the tractor during and... the parkour scene. We need to talk about the parkour scene. Okay. Because on one hand it's like it's still awesome. It's still a great great action scene. Yep. On the other hand it is definitely a product of 2006. We were yes. just like yeah, parkour was a big deal. Yes. And watching it in 2023, you're sort of just like, yeah, it's it's less so now. Yeah. Definitely less so. Well, and we were just talking about it upstairs with our mom, and she pointed out the fact that if this was a Mission Impossible, like, Tom Cruise would have been doing all of that. Yeah. And you would have seen Tom Cruise's face so that you knew he was doing that. And then we kind of had the discussion that Daniel Craig might have wanted to, but the insurance wasn't going to let him do no. it. Yeah. Not on your first Bond. <laughs> I'm sure he got away with a lot more on this last Bond, yeah. but not the first one out. They're not going to, you know, oh, you want to jump from crane to crane? Yeah. A <laughs> hundred feet up in the air? Yeah, go for it. Like, no, that's not happening. But I do think, like, we, I, I should bring him up because he's he's an interesting character. But uh, Martin Campbell, the director, I think, A, like, knocks this movie out of the park. Like, it is so well directed. And it all comes down, I think, to a lot of the action scenes. And he had done Goldeneye before this, which was uh, Pierce Brosnan's first okay. uh, James Bond movie, which like is also held up as one of the better ones. And I think what it does is it gives Campbell this like ability to be like, okay, I know what the Bond franchise is, and I know where I can push it. 
so let's push it. Yeah. And like the parkour scene in, in particular, they're just like, holy fuck. Like this is so great. And like, it's, it's a great action scene because there's great action set pieces in it, but it also does reveal character. Like there are moments where, um, I, I can't, unfortunately, I don't have his name written down here, but he, he is the inventor of parkour or one of the inventors of parkour. That's who the, the guy who Craig is chasing. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so oh, like, that's very cool. He was doing all of yes. the stuff. Yeah. Um, or most of it anyways, but there are moments where like, you know, he jumps over something or around something or whatever, because that's how he does it. And Daniel Craig is bond just goes straight through it. And you're just like, like that, like while it's funny and you're sort of being like, Oh, that's hilarious. It does reveal like this bond is fucking straight arrow. Like he's, he's going to go through you. He's not going to go around or, you know, whatever. He's not going to be fancy about it. And, you know, he is called a blunt instrument at one point in the movie. And you're sort of like, yeah, that is a very apt description of Daniel Craig's Bond. Yeah, I think it's in that sequence. I'm kind of trying to remember it now. The guy he's chasing does kind of go over a fence. And he's very fluid in his movement. Yeah. And Daniel Craig kind of gets to the top and then just, like, drops to the ground. Yeah. Like a, like a yeah. stone. And you kind of are like, yeah, because... He probably doesn't do this very much. Like. No, the one the one that I love is when um, the guy's running and there's like a, a tiny gap at the top of a wall. Yeah, and he 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 jumps up and like gets through the gap to the other side of the wall, and then it cuts back to the wall, and Daniel Craig just runs through the yes. wall. You're just like, well, okay, here we go. So. Another one that I really enjoyed is them on top of the crane. And oh the yeah, the guy takes out yeah. the gun and tries to shoot him, and he clicks a few times, and you're kind of just like, oh poor guy. And he just chucks the gun then at Daniel Craig and Daniel Craig just throws it back at yeah. him. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Cause if you don't have bullets, you might as well throw the gun. Yeah. Like something might happen to him. So I think that you bringing up the, the tractor though is, is interesting because Martin Campbell in Goldeneye, there's a great action set piece where Pierce Brosnan drives a tank through okay. a, like a very big tank through a very narrow, I think like Eastern European city. And you're, he's just like fucking crashing into buildings, rolling over cars. And you're just like, oh, okay, like we're doing this again, but yeah. like, it's great. So yeah. I'm happy to do it again. So yeah, I think there, there's a few like really great action set pieces in this movie. So I, I have the bathroom or sorry, I have the bathroom scene from the, the, the black and white cold okay. open. I just like how sort of gritty it's filmed. And like, he, again, like he's just not fancy about how he's going to defeat these people like you know he he tries to drown him in the sink and you know they they go through the stalls and all that sort of shit we then obviously have the parkour scene i also really love the stairwell fight okay uh when when it's him and the and the um uh the soldiers out of out of the uh where are they from uh uganda i think yes um I just really the guy, the guy with the machete. The guy with the machete, yeah. Yeah. I just really like sort of confined action scenes. Like the parkour scene's great because they literally go everywhere. But I think the idea of it being like this is really confined and there's not a lot of space, but you'd still need to make this action set piece like thrilling. Yeah. I think the stairwell scene is just like that's great, guys. Like, you know, they they slowly descend all the way down and yeah. I think for me talking about kind of fight scenes it's his fight with uh, Demetrius or Dimitri oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the in body, the body world. Works? Yeah. Um, that's probably one of my favorite because 
they both know like there's a huge crowd. They're going to cause hysteria yeah. if they kind of really go at it. Right. And you never see him, partly because they don't put it in the scenes, but you never kind of see him put kids in harm's way or like yeah, 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 really yeah. women yeah. really in harm's way. Like that's kind of must be like an unwritten rule for them. So for me, it was kind of like they don't want to harm women or children. So he is going to just quietly hold the knife there and they're just going to have that fight back and forth with the knife on like who's going to get stabbed and like, oh, uh, just great. So, well, then the last, last one I've got is the Venice, the whole, everything in the house. And where they as, just like blow, sink yeah, a house. They just sink a house into <laughs> Yeah, not Venice. so quiet anymore. <laughs> not so quiet by that stage, but it's the climax of the movie. We'll, we'll let them get away with it. But yeah, I think that there are just like, there are a number of great action set pieces, but then like sometimes even with the Daniel Craig movies, there, there are some that are guilty of this where it's like, yeah, the action set pieces are great, but everything in between is like boring or not well done. But in Casino Royale, everything in between is him and Vesper. And you're just like, God, this is so great. Or yeah, it's him, the various poker scenes. Yes. Yeah. I really enjoyed, um, the first one where he kind of meets Demetrius and they're betting and then it's, Demetrius is clearly losing. Oh, yeah. And wants to up the ante and the dealer says no and table stakes or I think yeah. it was her phrase. Yeah. And he bets the car and it's kind of just like, dude, you're about to lose your car. Yeah. Like, don't do it. <laughs> Keep your car. I think the thing I love about that sort of scene, that small moment, is that we know that uh, Demetrius is like a regular at this hotel resort place where yeah. like he lives up the beach or whatever. And so you do get the sense that, like, everyone there is tired of his bullshit. And so when she says, like, you know, table stakes, whatever, and he's like, all right, this is on my, this is, the car's on my table, the keys are on my, on the table. And Bond lets him do it. When he reveals his cards and she's like, you know, three, I think, what did he have? Three kings or something like that? Yeah. She's like, three kings. And then. She's probably there being like, fuck, he's going to win. Well, (laughs) yeah. But then when, when she's like very, like, professional about it. She's like, three kings. Like, that's how. And then when Bond reveals the aces, she's you watch her. She's like trip aces, and <laughs> you're just like happier. she's fucking happy. <laughs> she's over the moon that this Demetrius guy loses all, well, not all of his, but loses all the money and the car. Yeah, and she's sitting there with a fucking big grin on her face. And I don't know if that was a note from the director to her or what, but it's in the movie, and I love it every time because I'm like, she fucking puts a little mustard on trip aces, and then like. Very quickly, he's like, oh, and the pink slipper, the, yeah, the valet, valet ticket, the valet yeah, ticket or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's those like quick one lines that That's... just like turn the scene from like, oh shit to like, oh, this is kind of funny now. Like... They're funny. Like they're like, they're not sort of, you know, laugh out loud comedies or whatever, but like, that's a funny moment. There's like four writers on this movie. Whatever writer put that in there, like I can pat yourself on the back guys. Cause yeah. that's a great one. There's numerous sort of exchanges with him and Vesper where every time I'm just like, God damn it, that is so well written. And there, there's one where she's sort of like, I'm I, I'm not your type. Or he says, you're not my type. And she says, smart or intelligent. Yeah. And he says, single. Yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> God, that is so good. <laughs> just so good. Another one that I really enjoyed following him winning their car is when... Demetrius's wife, 
I think, yep, yep, yep. goes out to the car and realizes that Bond has now won it. And he's like, well, come back to my place for a drink. And they have a quick kind of two-second banter of her being like, no, I shouldn't. Obviously, you fall for Bond. So she does. And he's like, well, come back to mine. They hop in the car. And he literally just does like a lap of the... The, the parking lot? The parking lot. Yeah, the entrance way. <laughs> and I'm just like, yep. Do you, do you think in that moment, because like he's already won the car and he's staying at the resort. Like, where is he going? Why is he outside to get the car? To get the car? Like, it, do, you, do you think that he's going out because he's seen her leaving and he's going to like... I think so. Try and seduce her to get info. So yeah. he's going to follow her out. Because every time I'm sort of just like, where is he Where is he going? He like, he's staying at the resort. He doesn't need the car in this moment. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's either him trying to seduce her, which then he does, or him trying to maybe get back to Demetrius's house to yeah, kind maybe, of yeah. snoop it uh before he, he gets home. He, he also takes off pretty quickly. Like, yes. The the way that it's edited, like Demetrius leaves, we get then a shot of the wife and she's like settling up the bar tab to yeah. follow him out. And then by the time she gets outside, he is gone. Gone. Yeah. And she's like, where did this guy go? <laughs> like his wife was right behind him. Yeah. And then he was on a flight to Miami. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> on the plane to Miami already. But yeah, yeah, yeah. If this was your first Bond, I, I am sort of curious sort of how you took these moments in. But I think for people who had seen James Bond movies before, um, even myself who would like had the sort of vague notions of, you know, this is a James Bond movie and this is what you need in a James Bond movie, you know, whatever. Um, I think this movie does a really great job of being a true origin story and just being like, we are going to... Yes, the character of James Bond is iconic and has this status in society, in, you know, in the movies or whatever, but we are going to bring him all the way down to nothing and then build him up slowly over the course of the movie so that by the time we get to quite literally the last line of the movie, he will be the character you know James Bond to be. Yes. And so I was like clocking these things while I was watching this movie because... I was sort of like, I, I'm I'm curious, I'm curious. So, the cold open, the black and white cold open, he gains his 00 status. Yep. So, we meet James Bond before he's actually 007. We've never done that before. Okay. This is the first movie where that's ever happened. His first mission is quite literally a disaster. Yes. He causes an international incident. And blows up. Blows up an embassy. <laughs> yeah. You know, gets chewed out by the bosses, which is, you know, something that all James Bond's get or have done but you know his first yeah first mission is an absolute disaster the first car that we see him drive he always drives i think in the in the earlier movies he was driving jaguars because they were a sponsor and then slowly it became austin martin because they were a sponsor okay the austin martin is the like iconic that's what i was thinking car i didn't realize jags were kind of i think jags were like the first couple movies um but the first car that he drives in this movie a ford was it a Ford? I thought it was like a Nissan or something. Yeah, it's a Ford. He's just driving, you know, a pretty affordable, reasonable car. Because he's an everyman. Well, because he's not James Bond. Yeah. This is what I'm getting at. You know, his first tux is given to him by Vesper. He doesn't wear tux before that. He's never, he, he does not have, he has nice suits, but not, oh, a, but not I a guess tux. I, I didn't realize it wasn't a tux. Not a tux. And so the first shot of him wearing the tux is a tux that's been given to him by somebody else. 
obviously we get um, sort of the first heartbreak, which is not necessarily a James Bond staple, but at the same time, it does go to maybe explain why he is the womanizer that he is, is because the first time that he was, I say first time, because again, this is supposed to be an origin story, but the first time he is vulnerable with a woman, she turns out to be a double agent who had been playing yeah. him the entire time. Yeah, I have notes. I have questions on that too. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. And then ultimately, you know, he gets to say... The, the line. The line. The line that is in every movie that we're waiting on that we know is like, oh, there it is. There's the line. And they save that line for the last line of the entire movie. And I just think like from like a story standpoint or from like a a character standpoint, it's just like they really thought about this one. They really put some effort into this one to be like, we are going to earn all of these benchmarks throughout the movie so that when they do show up, the audience will be like, oh, fuck yeah. Like. There's another, there's another one. There's another check mark, another check mark. I guess I didn't realize until now that this was obviously the first book. So kind of more of an origin story than it was. For me, it was just a Bond movie. So I didn't realize or pick up on all of those things that are then the things that we use to identify James Bond to be James Bond. Yeah, yeah. And stuff. So it's very, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's, it's it's just like really really well done to sort of be and like, like really smart. Yeah, just like it's a great way to reintroduce the character because like we all know who he is. Yeah, we all know you know the certain things that we're gonna get in these movies, but by doing it in the way that they do in Casino Royale, you I don't I don't know like I don't necessarily know how to explain it, but you are kind of sitting there being like, all right, the car, yeah. all right, the tux. You know what I mean, like. I guess I when was... those when those finally do come up, you're just sort of like, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's not just a sort of throwaway thing that some of the other movies are definitely guilty of, like the whole, you know, uh, shaken not stirred thing. It's like, yes, I know that that's going to be in the Bond movie somewhere, but by sixth Sean Connery movie, by the seventh Roger Moore movie, you're sort of just like, oh, okay, like he's got to say this line again. He's got to say this line again. Whereas with this one, I think it just felt, everything feels fresher because they don't give it to you right up front. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, that the shaken, not stirred, and I'm Bond, James Bond, are two lines that when you asked me what I knew about movies, I should have said those because I do know that those are always yeah. said. Yeah, So saving the Bond one. And then in this one, he doesn't actually say shaken, not stirred. Somebody asks him and he's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so he, he, he does order, um, I think they, t- to be fair, I think both times they do ask him, but he does out order a martini during one of the poker match, poker games. Yeah. And, and the person does ask him, you know, I think he, I think he might actually say shaken in that one or something like that. And then the person goes away and then he calls them back and he changes his order to, to the Vesper drink that he eventually yeah. creates. Makes up. Yeah. Makes up. And then, yeah, this, the second time is. He asks for it and they're shaking her sturdy. He's like, do I look like I give a damn? Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, you guys are not, giving you're not the, doing this. You're, you're not, not giving us that love. Yeah. You're not doing this this time around. Like, that's cool. That's interesting. And yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I just think that the, there's a lot of evidence in this movie of being like, they, they took their time to sort of be like, what do we want to do with this bond? And what do we want to do with this movie? And like, let's actually think about this because 
like, I'm not necessarily advocating that you do go back and watch the other 20 James Bond movies that you haven't seen or whatever, but there, there are certainly points in some of them where you're just like, all they are doing is going from one exotic locale to another exotic locale okay. because they can. I was going to say, are they kind of copy and pasting of each other a little bit or not? There is definitely some where you're sort of like, this is the exact same movie okay. as this other one, but just with, you know, it's a different bond or it's a different location, but all the beats of the story are quite are the literally same. the exact same. And so then like, I've never read any of the novels, so I don't know if that's from the source or not. Um, I think there's also a thing, um, again, I, because I haven't read the novels, I don't quite necessarily know, but I think some people have sort of been like, all they really do is like take the titles from the books, but they don't actually adapt the book that oh, okay. faithfully you know what i mean like so i think there's a little bit of that as well but yeah i think I, like just with this one and and certainly other daniel craig movies it was like you guys are putting in an effort here and like it's apparent i can see it and i definitely appreciate it i think the thing and like we kind of just touched on her a little bit and like unless you want to go somewhere else i want to talk about vesper yeah let's do it <laughs> Ava Green, I, my God. Because I think for me, because I knew some of the story or I kind of remembered some things, I was looking out for certain things this episode or this time through. So I was watching her because I was like, there's something about her. She does something. She's like not what she seems or whatever. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it until the very end when it's all kind of revealed to us. But I did make some notes and I thought they wrote her in a really interesting way. Oh, exceptional. Like, yeah. her, their banter in the train when they first meet, and he kind of sizes her up and says, oh, you're wearing men's clothes so you fit in more, and you're you're in this job because of this, and, well, I'm going to say because I asked about your parents and you said nothing, that you're actually an orphan. And then very quickly she's like, well, because you said I'm an orphan, you're definitely an orphan. Because of this, you're that. Like, I loved... Her then turning the tables and sizing him up and kind of doing her read on him. And like when he gives her the dress and says like, I need you to walk into the poker game and distract everybody. Like walk up behind me, have everybody look at you, give me a kiss on the neck and then move on. And then when she comes into the poker game and she actually walks behind everybody else so that he's distracted, I'm then starting to be like, oh yeah, because you're about to fuck him over. Like... (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, there's definitely, yeah, there's there's definitely a little bit of that as well. I think the, like, the thing about her sizing him up is that she does it figuratively and literally. Yeah. Where, like, the whole thing with the dinner jacket where she's, like, or he, he sort of says something about, like, it's tailored. And she's, like, yeah, yeah I, I, I sized you up the minute we met. Which is, like, she's incredibly intelligent. Yes. Incredibly intelligent. And, like, the history of the Bond girl, quote, unquote, is, like fraught and it's not always great <laughs> and it is you know these these women were asked to just be like good looking arm candy for whichever man was playing james bond there are a few who sort of like broke through and did something else and um i think one of the reasons i love uh on her majesty's secret service is that the quote-unquote bond girl in that is um diana rigg and so you would probably remember her as Elena Tyrell. Um, she was like the grandmother of 
Marjorie Tyrell and stuff on Game oh, of Thrones. Oh, yes, yes. She, like, you know, spoiler alert for Game of Thrones, she's the one who poisons Joffrey. Yes, yes. And so, like, she is the Bond girl in that movie. And um, so this was, like, the, I want to say maybe sixth Bond movie up or whatever. And at this stage, the formula had kind of been firmly set. But in this movie, this is the one George Lazenby, he actually falls in love with Diana Riggs' character and they get married at the end of the movie and then right before the end of the movie she is killed okay and that's like bond ends a movie married (laughs) well exactly like this was watching this movie i was like you guys are really trying to do something different and i am fully here for it um but yeah like on her majesty's secret service james bond actually has like an emotional arc where he's sort of like he starts off here and ends you know somewhere else whereas like in most of the Sean Connery movies, you know, he starts off as kind of a cold-hearted womanizer and finishes the movie as a cold-hearted womanizer. Yeah. Just with a different woman. <laughs> Just with a different woman. Um, so, like, the the on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the thing is that, like, Diana Rigg is, like, the catalyst for this change in Bond. And so, like, they take time with her character to really make her a character. And, you know, there are a few other examples over the years, but I think, like, if in my own sort of like personal rankings of the Bond girls, like her or Ava Green in Casino Royale would easily be in the top, you know, two or three. Cause it's sort of like, again, like you guys are really taking your time with this character. You're giving us a lot of motivation and a lot of, you know, in intrigue. And it's sort of just like, give me more, especially with Ava Green. Like she can do it. Give me more. Yeah. I think for me with her, she gets to kind of be that little bit mysterious at the start. Then you see them. She kind of doesn't want to fall for him, I think. She doesn't, or she pretends not to want to fall for him or whatever. They end up falling. You then kind of get those couple scenes where they, he's won the money, they're sailing around. And you're like, maybe they would just be together. Like, I know what happens and stuff. But for a brief moment, you're like, maybe this is it for them. Like, they're content. And then when she does... When the reveal is given and you find out that she had been the one to sell him out and took the money and all of that kind of stuff. And then she chooses to drown herself in the elevator. You are kind of sitting there being like, oh my god, I actually feel bad for her. Like, she's, like, <laughs> she's just a, she's a conflicted character the whole like, way through. Like, you are saying there, I don't think at first she wants to fall for him. But then she definitely does. Yeah. And then she's like, well, shit. Like, now I'm in this situation. And then you... It's only once you realize, um, you know, eventually what she does that you then see moments where you're sort of like, oh man, like she's struggling here. Yeah. She is struggling. It's like one of the, one of the moments where he gets poisoned and he goes out to, to do the defibrillator and he, he passes out and she comes out and does it for him. If you watch her, she is like conflicted about the whole thing of like, well, I do like this guy but I know I shouldn't. I'm double crossing him, but I need him to live uh, because he's got the password to the bank account. Uh, he needs to win the money so that needs, I can get the money. Like, he needs to win the money so that I can double cross him to give the money away. Yeah. And it's like all of this stuff is wrapped up in there. And then there was another moment in the the late coma stuff at the end of the movie where he, um, the, the banker comes and he's like, yeah, like, you know, put in the pass or put in the account number and she puts in the account number. And then he's like, all right, now just the password. And he's like, you, you know, 
you, you know it. You know it. You can do it. And he tells her what it is and she puts it in. And then if you if you watch her, she kind of like moves to the side of the screen. Yeah. And, you know, we're sort of focused on James and the banker. And her head is in her hands. And she's just like, oh my God. Because like, she's like, this fucking guy is so in love with me that he made me the password. Yeah. And I've just stolen all of his money. Yeah. And you're just like, this is good shit, guys. This is really, really good. And I love that she knew the only way to get out of all of it was, I think, to leave her phone behind and oh, have yeah. him oh, yeah. check yeah. it and yeah. stuff. She, like, she just... knew he was him. Yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, then, you know, she drowns herself. <laughs> and you're sort of like, God damn it, Ava. Like, <laughs> you could have come back for number two if you had wanted. Like, <laughs> I'm sure we would have all accepted you to come back for number But, you know, you, you have to kill yourself. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, she's... Uh... And then the very brief, I think it's M who gives her... Bond the call at the end and says like this is why she did what she did. Oh and, yeah, like yeah, yeah, you yeah. get kind of the whole story and things. And I'm I can't remember if they say like did the boyfriend die? Did the people kill the boyfriend? Did no. So you need to rewatch Quantum of Solace now. Oh okay. So Quantum Solace is the second Daniel Craig movie, and like by all accounts, it is not very good. It was okay. like um it was a casualty of the writer's strike in 2007 or 2008 where like everyone involved has basically come out being like, we did not have a script oh, and okay. the writers were on strike. And so Daniel Craig more or less wrote the movie. Ad libbed the movie. Yeah. With, with the director. I can't remember who the director is now, but yeah, it was sort of just like, this does not work. If you watch them sort of like one after another, because quantum Solace does start directly after Casino Royale ends. So if you do watch them sort of one directly after the other, it makes a little bit more sense. And there are some really, really cool things in the movie, but on the whole, it's not, it's, it's not very good. Um, but the boyfriend question is answered at the and end of Quantum okay. Solace. Yeah. You find out what happened to the boyfriend. Cause unfortunately he was also playing Vesper a little bit. So yes. okay. that makes Vesper even more tragic. Yeah. The big bad guy in this movie. I was, but are we going to talk about him? We haven't mentioned him, but Le Chiffre, played by Mads Mikkelsen. First yeah. of all, absolutely love Mads Mikkelsen. Do you? Yeah. This was probably the first movie I ever saw him in. And he's quickly become one of those actors where you're sort of like, oh, he's in this movie? Cool. You know what I mean? Like, he just has that status of showing up in cool things. Uh, he's made some movies that I don't really like and I don't really care about. But when he shows up in a movie, I am sort of like... Okay, let's check this out. Let's see what's going on here. And I think that all started here because he plays such a great villain. Yeah, I'm just kind of taking a look at his, at his movies. And like, yeah, I kind of, when he came up on screen, I did recognize him, but I wouldn't have been able to place him anywhere. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. But yeah, so no, I, th I thought he was a great villain. I think the idea or the juxtaposition to have this like kind of absolutely shithouse built James Bond, like... The, the scene or the moment where he comes out of the water in yeah. the Bahamas, you're just like, holy fuck. Like, I know you haven't seen any James Bonds. James Bond doesn't look like that no. normally. No. Do they not have James Bond coming out of the water in every movie? No, it's mostly the Bond girl. And that's, oh, okay. that's what this was a callback to, which is like, again, like, cool idea, guys. Um, but yeah, like, James Bond, like, there are definitely, like, Sean Connery looks like he could handle himself in a fight. Yeah. You know, Pierce Brosnan, maybe a little bit less so. Roger Moore, absolutely. Uh, Timothy Dalton is definitely, like, a rougher Bond. But, like, 
they weren't walking around with six packs. Okay. You know what I mean? And fucking tree trunks for arms. That wasn't <laughs> happening in those in those other Bond movies, but it happens here. But so if that's going to be your Bond, we need to see something different from the villain. And yes. so to have Le Chiffre be this like, he's just a banker. That, that's kind of all he is. You know, he's a pretty smart guy. But like, yeah, he's just a money guy. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's just cool. And like Mads Mikkelsen makes him the scariest fucking banker I've ever seen. Him bleeding, or not bleeding, him crying blood yeah. is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so like every time that happened, I was like, oh yeah, you're like, you're the bad guy. If we couldn't guess you were the bad guy, yeah. you crying yeah. blood. Yeah. You with a big <laughs> scar through your eye and like, you know, an SS Nazi haircut. Yeah. And, you know, crying blood. Yeah. I just love, I love that Le Chiffre is this like, just banker guy who makes like a bad bet on this Skyfleet plane and then is like fucked and has to, the only way that he knows to get out is by hosting a, a poker match. Yeah, for I think millions of dollars. I think that's the only part of the movie that lost me maybe a little bit. So he we meet Mr. White. Mr. White introduces Yeah. Lish Le Chiffre. Le Chiffre yeah. to O Obano. Obano? Yeah. The, the, guy. the, the African warlord. Yeah. yeah. He then gets the money from him. Yeah. Puts the money into Skyfleet. Yeah. So then it's not him who tries to blow up the Skyfleet. No, he's he's shorting Skyfleet. Okay, so that's she, what I don't understand. Yeah. Okay. This Prefix. Is, like, you know, I don't fully understand this stuff either. But you can either buy a stock or you can short a stock. So, okay. okay, so you can, if you buy a stock that's going long on a stock or you short the stock. So if you buy the stock, that means you think the price is going to go up. Okay. You want those stocks because if the price goes up, you can then sell them for profit from what you paid yeah. for them. If you're shorting a stock, that's you betting that the stock is going to go down. And so what you are doing to short a stock, you are selling somebody else's stock that you then have the responsibility to replenish at a certain point. But you're betting on the fact that when you go to replenish it, the price is dropped and you can make that difference. You've sold it for 25, you buy it back for 20, you've made $5 a profit. Okay. That's what he's doing. So he is shorting millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of... To Sky try and get this guy in Uganda more money. No, try to get himself oh, more money. Oh, try and get yeah, himself he's, more. He's okay. using his client's money to do this. That's the problem with the guy with Uganda. Is he keeps going around and telling people, you can access it anywhere in the world. You know, no big deal. Whatever, whatever, whatever. But then when Skyfleet doesn't blow up, that money's gone. Okay. Because he, he has lost that bet. So he now owes money on money that he does not own anymore. And that's when the African, Mr. White guy, well, an African guy comes back at him. Yeah, like the, the Mr. White guy is like a nod to there's something higher up than the Chiffre. Like, like I keep saying, like the Chiffre is just a banker. Yeah. He is not part of sort of any bigger organization. Mr. White is that organization. Okay. So, you know, yeah, that's eventually only, we find out that it's Spectre, but yeah. Yeah, that's the only part of the movie that kind of lost me a little bit. I knew kind of the broad strokes of it all that, you know, he's fucked people over and yeah. so they're coming back at him. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like, it's all money. And like, I just like the idea that it is, like, that's quite literally what it is. Like, there are a lot of Bond movies that are all about, like, taking over the world. And this movie's like, no, he, he, he needs a hundred million dollars. Yeah. That's, 
that's that's it. Like he lost it and they'll kill him if he doesn't get it back. So he's going to host a poker game because he's really good at it. Although I have some nits to pick on the poker. Oh, but, do you? Go for it. Well, like... Because you think, know I'm such a great poker player. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think the... I don't necessarily have a problem with the fact that, like, these movies show, you know, four of a kind and straight flushes. And so, like, these things never, ever really come up in poker games. Okay. You, know, you can play for hours and hours and hours and you'll never get a hand like that. I don't necessarily have a problem with that because, like, A, it's a movie. They need to make it exciting. And B, I think they're quite clearly being like, not every single hand has four of a kind. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, these guys are playing for hours and we're showing you one poker hand. And I think for people who don't know poker, it's it's, it's, it's easy to be it, like, oh, yeah. four of a kind? That must be a good hand. That's a big one. Like, I know like, that's a big one. Yeah. yeah. The problem that I have with it, <laughs> and I have it, I have it with most movies that depict poker, is that there's always a character in the movie who explains that poker's not a game of chance. It's a game of skill. Yeah. Which I think it is. Yeah. I think it's in Rounders. The movie Rounders. You've probably never seen Rounders. But Rounders is maybe like the best poker movie. And one of the characters in that movie is like, why do you think it's the same five people at the final table of the World Series of Poker every year? It's not because they're the luckiest guys in the world. Because they're the best. They're the most skilled. So I do think it's a skill game. In this movie, Bond sits down, I think, with Vesper and says to her, like, you don't play your cards. You play the man across from you at the table, which, like, is true. That's how you play poker well. But, like, every person who wins a hand in poker in this movie does so because they have the best hand on the table. So so you want somebody, you want to... You wanted somebody to win on a bluff. Or... Yeah, that's okay. how you play the man across the room <laughs> at the table. Yeah. Not because you always have the best hand. If you always have the best hand, fuck, I could have won the $150 million. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, the whole point of being a good poker player is that you could beat the person across from you with the shittiest hand. Yeah. But represent it as if it's the best hand and make them think that's you fair. have the best hand. And it happens in every fucking movie that depicts poker where there's like, yeah, it's, it's all skill. It's all skill. And then it's like, oh, you got the five best cards. Yeah. Okay. Good for you. I guess that's the skill then. Like, yeah, they don't actually show that part of the game. And, you know, I get that it's certainly less satisfying, especially at the final poker hand in this one where you have four guys and each one just beats the guy. Yes. Previous. I get that having bond there being like, I just bluffed my way to the win. Like, isn't as satisfying as him throwing over the best hand. But at the same time, it's like, you couldn't throw it in once. You couldn't throw him in once where he just like bluffs somebody off the best hand. Well, I think the thing though is like, he very quickly finds out what Le Le Chiffre Le Chiffre's tell is and then makes the mistake. Also, the worst tell. Yeah. (laughs) Like this guy is supposed to be an A plus poker player. And it's a very obvious tell. And that's the worst fucking tell. <laughs> Again, I think that that's the filmmakers being like, a lot of people won't understand poker at all. We kind of need to hold their hand a little bit. We and need to make this easy. Make it more accessible. Make it more accessible. But yeah. like, yeah, having this guy being like a world-class poker player and his tell is that he scratches his eye when he's bluffing. It's like, come on. But so come you on. never find out what Bond's tell is, I think, right? No, because nobody figures it out. So for me, him always winning with good hands is a way of kind of hiding his tell. 
you never get to see the towel, so you don't ever get to find out. Well, right? Yeah, we'll see. We'll but, see. I don't know, but I don't know about that one. I just, <laughs> I just want, I just want there. Like, there's been so many great poker movies over the year, and I love, I, I love poker, and I love poker movies, and it always comes down to which character gets the best hand, and it's sort of like. I don't know, like, just fucking throw in a character bluffs his way to the win. Because, like, that's often what happens. That could have been... Uh, I really liked Jeffrey Wright's character, so the Felix oh, guy. Oh, Felix, yeah. The CIA yeah. guy. Like, if he had won the whole thing, that would have been awesome. Yeah, but he's <laughs> apparently... He's obviously a shit poker yeah. player. He's just, like, tossing things in. And you're just like, that bet makes no sense, but sure, go for it, dude. Like, that's, I don't know. That's how I played poker, yeah, so... it was infuriating. <laughs> I don't know, like, is there any, is there any last things you want to say about Casino Royale? Like, I know we, we might not have talked about the movie in and of itself that much, but I, I just think, like, it's pretty flawless. There's very little I would change. Yeah, we didn't, we kind of did the broad strokes or the people about the yeah. movie and stuff. I am actually trying to decide, and I probably will, I kind of want to go back now and watch the rest of the Daniel Craig ones and see. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, like finish so out his set. Quantum of so, Solace and Skyfall and, um, Spectre. Yeah. Just cause like, I kind of feel Have like you not like, which ones have you seen? I've only seen his. So, but you've seen all five of his. Yes. I've seen all five of okay. his, but not, we all went for his last one. Yeah. We all saw no time to die together. Yeah. yeah as yeah. a family in Ireland. And I went into it. Not really remembering the other movies. Right, okay. So, now that they're all out, it would be kind of nice to sit down, watch them all, watch them over kind of a week, two weeks, whatever, close enough together that maybe if the second one isn't great, it at least continues the story and moves the story along for me, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and like, I've already said at the top that I think Daniel Craig is the best Bond. He's probably my favorite Bond. I think, yeah... Casino Royale is my favorite of any of them. I think it's damn near perfect. Maybe it is perfect. I don't know. I think Quantum of Solace then is like messy. But I think I give it a bit of a pass because I know the circumstances in which it was made. Yeah. So in its messiness, I kind of find some endearing qualities. And so... Like, some people would have it quite literally at the bottom of their 25 ranking. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle for myself. Um, Then you get Skyfall, which, again, is probably in the top five uh, Bond movies. I think it's, like, incredible, incredible. Spectre is the funny one for me. I think the first half of Spectre could potentially be the best James Bond has ever been. Because the first half of Spectre is... It is all him on the hunt. Like he is finding one clue to another clue to another clue of like, what is this organization that seems to be involved in everything I do, but I can never sort of get a beat on them. Yeah. And so that's the whole first half is like him just like following clues, doing an investigation, hunting this organization down. But then the second half, when Christoph Waltz shows up as Blofeld is so bad that I was like, I can't, like, the first half is so good, the second half is so bad, like, it's going to be in the middle. But, like, it's more of a, like, what could have been moment. And then you get to No Time to Die, which I think was a really great way to to send him off. Like, yeah. I really, I, I know it's a little bit divisive and some people don't 
totally enjoy the way that that movie unfolded. But maybe it was because we watched it in the theaters. Um, I was like, I was won over by it. I, I thought I was like, this is pretty great. And I thought he shouldn't have come back for a fifth movie. I don't necessarily love the way that the fourth one end or the fourth one is overall, but I thought the way that he finished the fourth movie was like, that's good, man. Like that's yeah. a good send off. Okay. Don't come back. And then he did come back and then they gave him a better send off. Yeah. And so I was like, well, you did it. Like the one thing I didn't want you to do, you actually convinced me it was a good idea. So I think five I just, is good. Yeah. I just want to see his story, his character arch between the five movies now. So, but that leads me to my last question for you. Who is the next Bond? Oh, I was going to ask, I was going to ask you, <laughs> I don't, I don't know who it is. Let's, let's not do who it is. I would like to know who you think it should be. Um, so I would love for somebody different. I yes. think. Yes. I would. Yes. Cause from what I've gathered, it's always an English man or a British man. Well, well, or, no. sorry. Correction. Yeah. Correction. Because we've made, somebody has made this mistake in yes. your presence earlier. Yes. I can't remember who made the mistake. It is always somebody from that region of the world. Well, yes. George Lazenby was Australian. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, th- I think he's Australian or New Zealand. Shit, I should have figured that one out. Um, but yes, it is always somebody with like a quote unquote accent. Yes. You know what I mean? I but think... we've had, we've had, yeah, we've had a couple British ones now. Yeah. A couple English ones. We've had a Scottish man. We've had an Irishman and we've had an Australian. I think an American would be really entertaining. I think an American would be the worst idea. I, but I think they won't do it because then it's very Tom Cruise. Like, they I kind of... Can't be American. Yeah. Cannot they gotta keep be it American. In, but I don't know. I think... So people online have kind of said the guy from Bridgerton, Rene... Rene Jean something. something. Yeah, I <laughs> thought maybe for a brief moment that it could be or should be him and then i saw him in a couple of movies and i was like this guy might be the worst actor i've ever seen the, so the list that i found online yeah their top pick yeah and i don't recognize him at all but you probably would is adrian turner aiden turner aiden turner sorry aiden turner yeah he's been around he'd be like he'd be kind of a boring pick like would there's he... nothing nothing wrong with him per se but he'd be a bit of a boring pick. okay that's their top yeah that's their number one. So do they have Nicholas Holt on there? He's a name that gets thrown around a lot. No, not he's... in the top five, at least. Okay, he's not on there. Um, so their top this list of top yeah, five. Yeah, give me the top five there. There's is so Turner, Will, Will Poulter. Poulter. Yeah, that, I don't. No, I don't think so. No, <laughs> Papa. Esiadu. Esiadu. I don't know who that is. Where? What? What has he been in? Gangs of London? I've never seen that show. I've heard so, the show is good, but I've never seen it. So him. Uh, Henry Golding. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then the Rene. I, so I think or, I think that's completely his own PR firm. Whatever he's yeah. paying, his publicist, like money well spent, man. Because I don't think he's in the conversation oh, at all. And then Dave uh, Patel is number six. Dev Patel? Dev Patel. De- Dev Patel would be my top choice. Yeah. I think Dev Patel would, again, give the character something a little bit different than we've seen before, while also still having the trademarks. Like, I would completely buy Dev Patel in the action scenes. I would completely buy Dev Patel as this, like, charming, suave ladies' man. Because, like, I've seen him do similar things. Okay. Um, 
but again, like, but he would be so different. He'd be something very, very different. So I, he'd be my top choice. I think a really interesting choice, and they definitely wouldn't do it. Go female. Pick a woman. Because yeah. the big thing that I have in my head is um, Doctor Who, which was always a man, yeah. has just recently, or recently, a couple years ago, did their first female Doctor yeah. Who. Yeah. Like, do something different, guys. I Break I, the mold here. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. And, like, I certainly, that's not going to be a disqualifier for me to go see, you know, if a woman was cast as James Bond. It certainly would not be a disqualifier that I would not see the movie. I I kind of have a bit of an issue with the whole like gender swapping of a role. Okay. Because I I think that that's Hollywood being like, look at us, we're so progressive. <laughs> Fair. But but really, it's sort of just like, no, you guys are just being lazy. Like you were always going to make another James Bond movie, and yes, it's great that you've given it to a woman. But like, why not just make a great female spy franchise? Just do their own. Just do their own thing. Their own 007. Their, yeah, but like they won't do that. Yeah. Because it's not safe. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like the reason they keep making these movies is because they keep making money. And so, but it's sort of like they, they, they use it as a way of being like, look at us. Aren't we progressive? And it's sort of like, no, you guys are being lazy by doing this. And so like the movie just needs to be good as well. Like that's the other problem is like we've talked about it already where like, they did the Ocean's 8 thing. Yeah. Instead of doing another Ocean's 12 or 13, or I guess it would have been 14 at that point. But it's sort of like, okay, that, that might have worked if the movie was good. Yeah. But the movie wasn't good. So now what do you do? Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, they've tried to make, you know, female fronted action movies. And like, some have been great. Like some, like Atomic Blonde a couple years ago was like fantastic. When I was like, kind of like a female John Wick. But if you had just made John Wick a woman, I think like that would have been lazy. That yeah. would, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're, you're patting your back for something that you, you're not actually doing. So if they want to do it, like, sure, let's see the movie. If the movie's good, let's keep it rolling. But I, I just think that would be like a cynical yeah. way of, of being like, look at us. <laughs> Aren't we great? And so like, nah, just make a good female action movie. Like, That's fair. Just do that instead. So... Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see who gets them. Should we tease next week? Go for it. Next week's movie is... Uh, I'm quite interested to hear your thoughts because... We you know what my thoughts are going to be, I well, think. Well, yeah. We saw we saw one of this guy's movies a couple years ago. Probably in lockdown. I think it was... Yeah, probably. I, I think can't. it was a Christmas movie. Yeah, it was a Christmas movie. Probably in lockdown. And um, I was very excited for it. And he's got a new movie coming out, uh, you know the weekend that this episode will be released and um you left that movie sort of being like what the fuck did i just watch yeah he's he's got a style he's got a unique style and um we've taken a couple weeks off from unique style guys so like let's go back yeah at least this is like at the beginning of his career as well so like okay maybe you know his style has kind of always been there though that's like, fine we'll do one week where i'm a bit iffy and then two where you're oh, not thrilled so I yeah i look forward to those but yeah no next next week's is a uh an auteurist writer director who has a very unique sense of style and visual compositions oh and, i wonder if anybody's gonna get it yeah <laughs> Until then, we'll see everybody next week. See you then.